Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Every single day, Raider Nation, it feels like we're getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer to the beginning of the 2022 NFL season. Why I say that, of course, training camp got wrapped up yesterday, but today made my way over to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ, and picked up my credentials. Not just my credentials for tomorrow's game, but my credentials for the whole season, the 2022 NFL season. Every game that the Raiders will play inside Allegiant Stadium, I have the season pass for. And that was something that we did not have when uh, the Raiders played the Vikings on that Sunday. We just had the the credential that just says, yeah, you're good for this game. But uh, you want to get that season pass. And once you get the season pass, you know, okay, it's about to go down. And so that's kind of the feeling we get. You know, players, they have a little body clock. Well, as far as I'm concerned uh, with what we do, we have a little body clock as well. We start realizing, okay, we're sweating badly every single day. Must mean we're at training camp. Then all of a sudden we get our hands on that season credential, and then you know, all right, Fall is right around the corner. The regular season is right around the corner, and it's about to be go time. I actually had a friend that uh, is in town right now, and matter of fact, a couple friends that are in town, one that just arrived today and one that's actually leaving at about 545. Text me last night, Q, in town, man, I'm over here by the link. Where are you located at? I'm like, man, I'm at the house working. How long are you going to be in town? Oh, I'm leaving. I'm leaving, uh, you know, tomorrow at 545. I don't think I'll be able to catch up to you, man. As much as I want to hang out, want to go, you know, check you out. It's a good friend from Texas in town visiting. I said, man, it's football season. <laughs> you know, you can come to town any time of year, and most likely I'll have a chance to break away and at least say what's up. But when it's football season, it is go time. There is absolutely no time to stop. There's no time to uh, pass go and collect $200. You got to go directly to football mode. And so that's exactly what we're doing. But picking up the season credential today from the – from the Raiders facility, just kind of made it official, like, oh, yeah, here we go. So excited about tomorrow's game, final preseason game of the 2022 season, and then, boom, preparing for that first home game. Of course, it won't be September 11th, but the following week when the Arizona Cardinals come to town, and then it's on and popping. But, of course, you got to get through the preseason game first. There's a lot to talk about on today's show, and a lot of folks have been hot and heavy today on the offensive line, and Alex Leatherwood in particular, and, of course, we'll talk, touch on that subject as well, but Got a lot of different angles that we're going to talk about and a lot of different uh, people we're going to talk to coming up on today's edition of Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Excuse me. So coming up at 2.30, Evan Lazar from Patriots.com. He's going to join the show to talk all things Patriots. And we've talked to someone covering the Patriots every single day since they've been in town and actually had an opportunity last night to go over to the the M Resort and have dinner with the wife after the show. Just, uh, again, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, wife, it is uh, football season, so let me take you out for dinner. <laughs> I give you a kiss on the cheek, and I'll see you in February. I mean, that's just what it is. Even though we live in the same house, there's not a whole lot of uh, there's not a whole lot of interaction time when it's football season. It's just uh, you know stones to the wall is really how we go. So I uh, went over to the M Resort last night, had a little bit of dinner, and we were out there at the at the Raiders uh, Tavern. Looked over the balcony, and there was a bunch of the Patriot players that were, you know, enjoying the swimming pool area, uh, just hanging out. That's where the Patriots have been staying while they've been in town. So we've talked to someone that covers the Patriots every single day since they've been in town, and we'll talk to Evan Lazar from Patriots.com just to get his impressions of what he thought of the Raiders as 
as, uh, you know, he was observing just like the rest of us with the joint practices. And, uh, again, c- congratulations and tip of the cap to the Patriots and the Raiders for their efforts during the joint practices because they didn't have any fights. Now, I know Max Crosby made it sound like there might have been a little something-something that happened at the end of day one of joint practices, but they really didn't have anything. I just saw a video, and I actually tweeted it out, helmet-to-helmet action. Uh, Saw Aaron Donald hitting a member of the Cincinnati Bengals in the helmet. He had a Cincinnati Bengal helmet in his hand, and he clubbed another Cincinnati Bengal in their head, and it was a big, just a big... Uh, just brouhaha is what you could call it. You know, some people said that the Raiders, when they got into their little camp fight, was a melee. It was not a melee. That, what I just saw from the Bengals and the Rams, now that, (laughs) that was a melee. And uh, Aaron Donald swinging the uh, Cincinnati Bengal helmet and hitting someone else in the helmet, all you could hear is, pop. And I was like, dang! You know, it's just like, man, that, that was aggressive. That was a hell of a hit. So, uh, luckily, that person that he hit in the helmet had their helmet on. So, uh, and that can still do some damage. So, that was, that was massive. And that's what the Patriots and the Raiders did not want to do at joint practices. So, a lot of credit to them for being able to maintain and just get real good work done. And I think that that's what they did from what I was able to see uh, over the course of the couple of days. So, we'll talk to Evan Lazar, talk about the Raiders, talk about the Patriots, what he saw, you know, what he thinks of Josh McDaniels now that he has another opportunity to be a head coach, knowing that he spent all that time there in New England. So, like to get an outsider's point of view because sometimes I could look at something and see it and get used to seeing it every single day and it's almost like a way of life. But for someone on the outside looking in, he'll probably have a different uh, approach and a different thought process on what he saw. So Evan Lazar from Patriots.com coming up at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She'll join the show. She was at the Raiders facility yesterday uh, checking out the second day of joint practices. So we'll talk to her about the Raiders. We'll talk to her about the Aces. We'll talk to her about UNLV. How about the Rebels? I know that the Raiders have a preseason game on Friday, but they turn around, the Rebels do, and play a game at Allegiant Stadium on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, about 12 o'clock. They kick things off with Idaho State. So, I mean, their season's right here. It's week zero in college football. That's, an, that's another moment to get excited about. That's something I get fired up about uh, my calendar, going back to my body clock. You know, it's like the high school football season, and then all of a sudden when that kicks off, then you know college football season's going to kick off. And then once college kicks off, you know the NFL's right around the corner. So that's always what I've lived by. And so knowing that UNLV gets underway at Allegiant Stadium starting on Saturday, and it's funny because there's not really a lot of turnaround time to change the field from what the Raiders play on to what UNLV, who normally plays on the turf, they usually slide the little tray uh, out and back in. Well, it's funny, when I realized that they were playing back-to-back days, I thought, I don't think there's time to turn that thing around. Well, come to find out, it's not time to turn it around. So they're going to actually play on the Raiders' field, uh, and there's going to have a little bit of uh, UNLV markings on it. But when you see the game on Saturday, there's going to be the big Raider shield in the middle of the field. There's going to be the Raider end zones. There's going to be a lot of uh, silver and black on that field. And then you'll see a little bit of UNLV paint put on the on the field as well. So we'll talk to Paloma Villacana coming up at 3 o'clock. All things UNLV, all things Raiders, all things Aces, who, by the way, they're in the next round of the playoffs. They'll get that started on Sunday against the Seattle Storm. 3.30, Vinny Bonsignor from the Morning Tailgate and also the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He'll join us to talk about the article that he put out. And this is a piece that he put out uh, yesterday evening, and I talked about it on my podcast today, and it's been a subject of conversation all day long here on Radio Nation Radio 920, and that's what to do with Alex Leatherwood and the fact that all options, and I mean all options with a capital A, are on the table when it comes to Alex Leatherwood, something that I didn't think was really a, a realistic conversation piece. I didn't think that that was real. I thought either he was going to be a starting tackle, a starting guard, or he was going to be backup. 
But according to Vinny Bonsignor, and let me say it right now, and I said it on my podcast, Vinny doesn't say stuff just to throw it out there. There's plenty of people that do say stuff just to throw it out there and hope it sticks against the wall and so they can come out and say, see, I was right. I told you so. Vinny don't do that. Vinny is a guy that he talks to people, he listens to people, and he reports on what he knows, not what he thinks. So Vinny is one of those guys, just like a Paul Gutierrez, just like a Vic Tafer, just like a Tashawn Reed, just like the go-tos that we talk to here on this show. We don't talk to guys that just, you know, pull something out their backside, throw it against the wall, and hope it sticks. We don't do that. That's not what we're here for. We're here for concrete facts and stuff that we believe. And if, if I throw something out there that I don't know, I'll always tell you, this is just my gut feeling. I'm not reporting on anything that I've heard or anything I've seen. This is just my gut feeling. And sometimes my gut's right, and sometimes it's gas. So sometimes it's not, right? So Vinny Bonsignor will join us at 3.30 to talk all things Raiders offensive line, Alex Leatherwood. What are the options that the Silver and Black are looking at, what they could potentially do, including trading him or flat-out cutting him after one year in the league? That would be pretty incredible right there. So Vinny Bonsignor, 3.30, he'll join the show. And then at 4 o'clock, just like we had a Raider alumni yesterday, the great Steve Wisniewski, we're going to top that today with the great Phil Villapiano. That's right, former Raider linebacker Villapiano, foo, as everyone likes to call him, will join the show at 4 o'clock. He'll be calling in to talk about the Raider alumni weekend that I'm very excited to be a part of and not a part of because I'm a member of the alumni, but just because I get to cover it uh, for Raider Nation Radio 920. So just to get to be a fly on the wall and observe all these Raider greats and even guys that weren't Raider greats but just Raider members of the Silver and Black at some point will be in town and it's a big celebration and I remember when the Raiderettes were here just not too long ago for the Minnesota Viking game how big that was and you know we have former Raiderettes on the show all the time shout out to Donna Oglesby she's always on the show and ran into her after that Vikings game and she was so happy to be out there it was funny when uh when she was out there at halftime, they had a little bit of a performance. Uh, the wife and daughter were actually we uh, we got them. I bought them really good seats, so they were sitting down in you know basically what would be the black hole. They were down there in that area watching the game, and all of a sudden they saw Donna on the screen, and they started yelling, "Donna, Donna!" And our friends around them were like, "She can't hear you. She's on the screen." But you know, it was just cool because we all, you know, we know them really well, and so we ran into Donna following the game, and uh, the wife was telling her, "Yeah, Donna, I was yelling at you when you were on the field," and she's like, "Yeah, girl, I didn't hear you, <laughs> not at all." But I uh, just thought that that was really cool, and the the fact that the Raiders embrace their alumni, not just the players, but also the former Raiderettes as well, the ones that have been doing it for a very long time, and that goes back 60 years. So uh, I really enjoy this part of, of covering the team and the organization as a whole. So Phil Villapiano, foo, he'll join us at 4 o'clock to talk about the weekend, talk about this year's team, talk about defense. I mean, whatever we want to talk about, he's one of the best storytellers in the game. So I'm sure we'll get some really good ones. I believe one of the questions I'll ask him, I know DeMond yesterday asked Steve Wisniewski his best Lincoln Kennedy question. I think I'll ask foo his best training camp conversation that he can tell us on the air because foo – Sometimes forgets that he's on the radio, and so he'll, he'll tell you a story like he's sitting around at a bar or sitting around at Raiders HQ, and we're not on the radio, and we're not back by the FCC. So uh, I'm going to make sure I preface that. Fu, give us your best training camp story that is friendly for the radio. So I know he'll have a good one. So excited to talk to Fu coming up at 4 o'clock. So we've got a locked and loaded show for you. Damon Cotton's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm at the home studio because I had to go pick up my credentials. So the one day that I thought I was going to be in studio – yeah, 
I'm not. So <laughs> there you go. I'll probably be at the torch tomorrow. I'm still trying to work out the logistics. Is that I think our show is going to be from 2 to about 3.15. And uh, then we'll pass the sticks on to JT the Brick and Eric Allen for the official pregame show. So we'll have a preempted show. But we'll be here for you. And, of course, we'll be here for, for you following the game as well. JT will have the postgame show. I'll be on Raiders.com doing a little fifth quarter action for him. So we'll have you covered Many, many different ways here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now you know the guests coming up on the show today. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation okay. Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. All right, so as I mentioned, everyone's talking about the offensive line and Alex Leatherwood, and I'm going to get to that conversation. We'll definitely talk to Vinny Bonsignor at 3.30 about that. And of course, you're free, free to chime in at any point on the uh, Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200 and the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. But I wanted to go with a different angle and talk about a different subject, at least to start things off with, because I just don't want to beat up a dead horse. I think that we've discussed Alex Leatherwood and you know every different angle that you can and what to do with them. I think we've talked about the offensive line quite a bit here on the show. So I want to go in another angle, and I saw this, and I found it to be really intriguing from Adam, Adam Shine from CBS Sports. He also does a Sirius XM radio. He's a really good longtime radio dude, and uh, he's been a, a big-time believer and backer of Derek Carr for a very long time. And he has, and I hate to say hot take because I hate to be that guy, like, oh, he has a hot take. But he was talking about the whole Tom Brady situation, the Gronk situation, the Dana White situation, which I've said many times is not a situation. But it, it gave him an opportunity to talk about the upcoming season and what he thinks about the Raiders, what he thinks about Derek Carr and his season potential, and also Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, DeMond, let's not use the, the three-minute version. Let's use the shorter version. Adam Shine had something to say about Derek Carr's upcoming season as opposed to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers' upcoming season. So here's what he had to say. Not only is Derek Carr going to have the best season of his life this year, and he's going to throw for over 5,000 yards, Derek Carr this year is going to have a better season than Tom Brady. The Raiders are going to win more games this season than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Tom Brady knows it better than anyone that Josh McDaniels running an offense as a quarterback guru Listen, this is everything for Derek Carr. There's something off when you look at the Buccaneers. Derek Carr is going to throw for more yards than Brady, win more games than Brady, and I can't wait for Derek Carr to shut up all the critics and the haters, including Dana White's in 2022. All right, so there's Adam Shine right there talking about what Derek Carr is going to do in 2022. Throw for more yards and win more games than Tom Brady. And I get it. Hey, before we even get started on this and going down this rabbit hole, it doesn't really matter if Derek Carr has more yards or the Raiders win more games than Tampa Bay. What the Raiders need to do is win more games than Denver, Kansas City, and the Chargers. I get it. I get it off top. But I can also respect a guy that's saying, hey, look, everyone's talking about this, and I know that we haven't really talked about this whole situation very much because it's a non-story to me, but – Hey, Carr's going to do better than Brady. The Raiders are going to do better than the Buccaneers. And a lot of folks are still penciling the Buccaneers to go ahead and, and, and go on a nice deep run just because they have Brady and they have Tampa Bay and, you know, they think that Todd Bowles is going to just be just fine and there's not going to be any growing pains. They think Tampa Bay is going to be smooth sailing as long as they got Brady. So I ask you, do you agree with Adam Shine when it comes to Carr and the Raiders in 2022? Do you think that they're going to be better than 
the, the Buccaneers? Do you think that Carr is going to throw for more yards than Tom Brady and ultimately just win a whole hell of a lot of games? Because, again, it's not really about beating and, and having more wins at Tampa Bay, but you figure everyone's giving Tampa Bay a lot of credit and that they're going to make a deep run. So if they do better than Tampa Bay, most likely they're going to win double-digit games. So DeMond Cotton, who I said is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, I'll start things up with you. Not that Tampa Bay is a rival, not that they're a division team that you've got to defeat, what did you think about what Shine had to say? Do you think that he's correct? Oh, man, I want to believe him, but I don't want to count Tom Brady out yet. I mean, the Buccaneers, Chris Godwin's going to be coming back, Mike Evans. Tom Brady led the league in yards last season. I understand. It, it's one of the, Derek know. Carr almost had 5,000 <laughs> yards, and he did that with John Gruden, Rich Bisaccia, Greg Olson. Yeah, so I'm saying I don't know if Tom Brady's going to be able to regain that passing yards title that he held last season. I do want to give Derek Carr the edge, and but here's going to be the deciding factor for me. We always talk, like you said, ad nauseum nonstop about the O-line, but yeah. the Buccaneers are having offensive line problems as yeah. well, and Tom Brady gets the ball out quicker than anybody, but eventually the bill has to come due. I don't matter how fast you get the ball out, eventually a bad offensive line is going to catch up to you. And with two injuries and then an early retirement in this offseason, in this training camp for the Buccaneers, I think that's what's going to hurt Tom Brady. Not the weapons, I mean, and Julio Jones, that's not going to do anything for him. No, that's not going to do But <laughs> I got fooled last season. Right. So I'm saying I do think Derek Carr is going to have the more passing yards, but the touchdowns, I do think that the Buccaneers are going to rely on Brady more to get it done in the end zone because from what we've seen in this preseason, I know it's just preseason and Jared Stidham's been the quarterback but this run game, I think it's going to be looking pretty good. Oh, I agree. I think the run game is going to be solid. I think it's going to be relied on heavily. So let me ask you this. A, a third part of that, you said Derek Carr will throw for more yards, maybe not more touchdowns. What about the ultimate number that matters, which is wins? Who has more there. wins, Tampa Bay or the Raiders? Um, I'm going with the Buccaneers only because of the division. Only because of the division. Okay. We see it so much with the Raiders that this division is stacked. We all know a murderer's row, and they have to play the NFC West. I don't have the Buccaneers schedule in front of me, but I know you got you got it good when you get to play the NFC South six games a season. Right. I mean, no. yeah, you're right. I mean, you're looking at the Saints. There's big questions there. You're looking at Carolina. There's huge questions there. You know, and uh, who else is in there? We division? can't even think of a third team. I forgot uh, who's it. So you got Carolina. Carolina, the Saints, yeah, the Buccaneers, Atlanta, and Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, Marcus Mariota. Atlanta's easy to forget about. <laughs> Mark, Marcus Mariota is he about to put the fear in the heart of Tom Brady? Like, man, I got like you know, no. like the graphic when no. they can bear the quarterbacks. No, yeah. no, I think that the Saints and Jameis Winston have a, a an opportunity if things go right. Remember, they have a new head coach in Dennis Allen, and let's not. Let's not act like replacing Sean Payton is easy, right? Sean Payton is Sean Payton. Dennis Allen is still Dennis Allen. I think everyone in Raider Nation remembers Dennis Allen. Not that he had a good opportunity to be the head coach when he was the head man with the Raiders, but he's still Dennis Allen and he's not Sean Payton. So, uh, Raider Nation, I'd like to throw it out there to you, though. What, what do you think about what Adam Shine had to say? Basically, he's, you know, and there was a big, I just d condensed that soundbite. I didn't want to run with a three-minute soundbite from him. Basically, he's saying that Derek Carr is going to be in the MVP conversation this year. He believes that he's going to have an opportunity to have that good of a season, right? And, of course, you know the weapons that are around him. And we'll talk to uh, Evan Lazar coming up at 2.30. He just saw the weapons up close and personal without Darren Waller. You add Darren Waller to the mix, and whoa, Nelly, like my grandmother would say, whoa, Nelly, right? I mean, it's, it's an opportunity. I want to get excited. I want to get fired up about the opportunity that the Raiders have, especially offensively. I do know the Achilles heel, though, is still the offensive line. And as you mentioned, Damon, at some point, 
the offensive line will catch up to bite you. We go back a couple seasons ago, 2020, when Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. How did they win it? They didn't win it because Tom Brady was slinging the ball around the yard. They were winning. They won the Super Bowl because Patrick Mahomes was on the run the whole time. Exactly. So, you know, but both of those teams have issues with the offensive line. And I'll say this. In the AFC West, I keep saying that the best bookend tackles are going to win. That's the team that's going to win the division. If you look at the whole AFC West, every team has question marks on that offensive line, especially the right side. There's question marks. Now, I'm not saying that they're all equal. I still think that the Raiders probably have the biggest question mark, but I also feel like GM Dave Ziegler and head coach Joshua Daniels, obviously assistant GM Champ Kelly, also have a plan. I don't know what the plan is, but I feel like they have a plan. So uh, we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Also the Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Do you agree with what Adam Shine had to say when it comes to Carr and the Raiders in 2022, basically outplaying Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? Let us know about it. And right now we got on the phone lines our guy Raider X. Welcome to Unnecessary Roughness. What's on your mind, brother? Good afternoon, guys. Hey, um, just wanted to touch real quick and uh, kick that dead horse about, uh, you know, uh, Leatherwood. You know, let's, let's, let's take into account, you know, the, the guy was drafted in the first round. should have been the second round. So let's flip it back and, and, and just pretend that Mark was, that was there in the first round. You know, it's not like, you know, they didn't screw up before. The Raiders didn't screw up before when they got Gallery. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, he's not the best, going to be the best tackle right now, but he is yours. And getting rid of him, it doesn't make doesn't make sense. I mean, you're not you're you're, you're actually going to create a space, and he's better than you know. Let's go hand for hand, Parker versus Leatherwood. I mean, come on now. I mean, at least you can serviceable put him in as a guard. So you know, I, I just think it doesn't make any sense until you can't get away, unless somebody's going to sit there and make you a remarkable deal, which I highly find unlikely. So I don't. I, I just cannot see him being cut. Uh, I think that the, the, everything that's being on the board is pulling into another position and just uh, you know waiting another year. On the other side, on the your other topic, yeah, I, I, I think Derek Carr is going to kick Brady into the booth. He will be in the booth next year because Derek Carr is going to show out. He is going to perform. He's going to perform well, and I don't think that Brady is going to stand a chance this year. Um, I don't think he has the legs to run. I don't think he has the, the team supporting team or supporting cast. And like I said, and uh, I think DeMont just upon that of, you know, actually him getting hit out there, I don't think his, his older body can handle it at, the, at this age. And, uh, you know, Murderer's Row, AFC West, yeah, let's, let's just count on the other nine games that they go. So let's just say they sweep the other nine. Unlikely, but, uh, I, you know, let's, let's see if they do that. All they got is one more game to hit 10, you know, two games to hit 11. And I, 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 I strongly believe the Raiders should go and, go and get 11 wins. So, hey, hey guys, I'd like to hear what you think, think about that. But uh, that's it for me. Hey, great call, Raider X. It's always good to hear from you. I appreciate you, my man. And, uh, hey, I, I, don't, I don't disagree when it comes to, you know, what the potential of Derek Carr and the offense is and what they can do and, uh, as opposed to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And, again, you know, I want to preface it with this, you know, obviously the Raiders aren't looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers saying, we've got to be better than you. They've got to be better than the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos. That's who they've got to be better than. But I found it to be an interesting conversation. So I, I can get on board with that. Of course, the offensive line is still the question mark. When it comes to Alex Leatherwood and, you know, if, if releasing him is, is an option, um, I, I, like I said, I didn't think that it was an option. I thought that they would, at the very least, have him coming in off the bench and be a piece of depth. But if they just look at him and say, you know what, he's not – worth it to us on this roster, then that's the move that they're going to make. You know, some guys could be – they could be uh, 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 more of a trouble than they are than they are a uh, 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 help, 
right? What if he does get get benched and then all of a sudden I don't think he's going to be disruptive, but what if all of a sudden he's like just he's not he's checked out? Then what does he do for you? Then you put him in there in a pinch. Say someone goes down at that right guard spot. Say the right guard goes down. He gets in there, but he's been checked out for a while. Then all of a sudden he's out there and he gets your quarterback killed, right? I mean, there's something to this, right? I mean, there's something to it. Sometimes guys aren't worth the trouble. Some guys are worth the trouble because they're that stinking good. It's like, hey, you know, like the Browns, they decided Deshaun Watson was worth the trouble. Even though he had all those issues going on, they decided they were going to reward him with $230 million guaranteed. You know who they wouldn't have done that for? Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> if Jacoby Brissett had all the issues that Deshaun Watson had, they would have been like, hey, you're on your own, Jack. Right? But Because he's not worth the trouble. But in their opinion, Deshaun Watson was worth the trouble. So uh, obviously it's not the same scenario with Alex Leatherwood. I don't want to put him in, you know, put him in that bubble. But they will look at him and decide, is he worth being a guard? Is he, are, is he valuable there? Is he valuable as a, a backup? Or is another guy that we have in this other roster spot, is that roster spot worth more than he is? If they decide that that roster spot is worth more than he is, then he'll be gone by either trade, release, or whatever the case may be. And remember, they have no ties to him, so that's not their bad. That's the other guy's bad. So they could move on and justify it. Not saying they're going to, but they could. Let's get one more call. Let's talk to Raider27. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, man. Um, I think at the end of the day, listening to uh, Josh McDaniels, the Raiders' objective isn't really to be better than the AFC West. I think they're looking at being better than everybody. So I think Derek Carr is going to have a banner year. If you listen to what the Patriot beat writers were writing when they practiced together, the Raiders' offense is going to be awfully difficult to stop, and their defense played really well in yeah. uh, scrimmages they had. So I don't think – I think they want to win the AFC West, but I think they set their, the goalposts a little bit higher than winning the division. I think Josh is there to win Super Bowls, and I think that's what the goal is going to be. All right, good stuff. Thank you for the call, Raider 27. Appreciate you. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. Winning the Super Bowl is, is definitely the goal. Uh, I, I think you need to win the division. You know, I think you need to focus on winning the division, uh, getting some home field advantage, and then go from there. But you already know all you have to do is make the playoffs, and, and anything could happen, right? I mean, Cincinnati got into the playoffs, and they made it to the, to the Super Bowl. There was a time when the Raiders were the only team that was a wild card team that won the Super Bowl. I mean, at one point in, in the history of the Silver and Black, they were the only team in the NFL to ever be a wild card team, go on the road for every game, and still go to the Super Bowl and win it. You know, now that's been done a couple times now, but they were the first team to do it. So it's definitely possible. I just think that the, the best option that you have is trying to win the division. Plus, you got to get in the habit of beating Kansas City, right? So you want to get in the habit of that. But I totally – I'm on board with you, Raider 27. I understand exactly what you're saying. Thank you for that call. Uh, 702-365-9200. That is the Raider Nation listener line. Of course, 69187, keyword R&R, Sam text line. Matter of fact, text us. Let us know what you think. Do you agree with Adam Shine when it comes to Derek Carr and the Raiders that he's going to put up more yards – and the Raiders are going to have more wins than Tampa Bay. Basically, he's going to put up an MVP-type year, and uh, everyone's going to be singing the praises of Derek Carr. That's basically what he's trying to get to. I'll let you hear the audio again a little bit later on in the show. But when we come back, we'll talk to Evan Lazar from Patriots.com, get his thoughts on the silver and black, what he thought he saw from joint practices, and how good he thinks his team could possibly be. We'll do all that next on Raider Nation Radio 920. 
you're gonna get the work every single time we we line up like that's just how it is like yeah. i'm not i'm expecting and hoping that i'm gonna murder you every play but that ain't the reality of it but i'm gonna set out to do just that i'm trying to chop your head off every single time we line up to show the quarterback like there's no other option if we are all singled up i'm the guy that need the ball now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy q I was Devontae Adams right there on the Pivot Podcast with Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor, and uh, and Channing Crowder. Crowder. Yeah, Channing Crowder. I always get his name wrong, but uh, I don't know why. Maybe because he was the one that did the lease in the NFL. But a uh, really good podcast. They filmed that at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. And Devontae Adams, man, he's just such a difference maker. He is one of those dudes that is just the elite of the – I mean, you could just tell how special that guy really is. And it's so funny – I don't want to say I took him for granted, but being out there at practice, it's just like, yeah, it's Devontae Adams. He's great. Yeah, we know that. But when you saw him go up against someone else, it was just like, whoa, this dude is extra special, right? And so Derek Carr has gotten the best weapon that he's ever had to play with in the NFL, something we talked about quite a bit when he first, uh, when he first arrived with the Silver and Black. And, man, the possibilities are just endless. And even without him getting the ball, you know, one of the things that I've always talked about for years on top of years on top of years when it comes to the Raiders, is alpha dogs. And who is their alpha dogs? Well, Devontae Adams is that guy. He's an absolute alpha dog. And we'll get back to that conversation on Devontae Adams in a few minutes. Right now, joining us on the phone lines from Patriots.com is Evan Lazar. And, Evan, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We were just talking about Devontae Adams and how much of an alpha dog he is. You got to see him up close and personal for a couple days during joint practices. What did you think of Devontae going up against the Patriot defenders? Yeah, it was really cool to see him so up close and just like that. Probably the only time you get to see him there is that close in training camp practices. He was really impressive, especially on Tuesday. Pretty much dominated practice. And I think the Patriots corners really had a good time going up against him, just knowing this is the best guy in the league. We're probably not going to see anybody better than Devontae Adams throughout the course of the season. So it's kind of a, a good competition for them, a good litmus test for where they are in the group. And, I thought they came across on Wednesday and you know, gave him a little bit of a hard time than what they did on Tuesday, but he's a freak. I mean, he does what he does. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, he's a really good player. I mean, that's saying the least right there is that he's a really good player. But as far as the two days of joint practices, uh, how much do you think that the Patriots on their end got out of going up against the Raiders? I, I think a lot. You know, like I just mentioned, I think a guy like Adams, a guy like Hunter Renfro, uh, those are two really good receivers. I think Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, uh, did a good job challenging the Patriots' tackles and making it difficult to keep that pocket clean. So I think they were really happy with the level of competition that they got, certainly. And uh, it was out there on Tuesday, and that was a pretty clear Raiders win. Uh, and on Tuesday, I thought yesterday was a little bit more even. So uh, hopefully that's <laughs> good news for the Patriots. But it's a really talented roster that. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have been able to put together. Evan, what has been your impression over the two days that you were able to observe practice and see Josh McDaniels, obviously in a different light. He's not the offensive coordinator for New England anymore. Now that you got to see him as the head coach of the Raiders, kind of just the way that he set practice up, the way that he ran the team, did anything stand out to you in particular? Well, it was quite extensive 11-on-11 work in both days, and I think that that's a sign that maybe tomorrow night in the preseason finale that we won't see much of Derek Carr or Mac Jones or some of the other starting players on both sides of the football. So I wasn't surprised at how much true 11-on-11 we got to see. Now that was a good thing. I think that that's what both coaches wanted to kind of simulate a game experience there. 
Talking right now with Evan Lazar from Patriots.com here on NSA Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Evan, you mentioned the extensive 11-on-11 11 11 work. So what was your biggest takeaway for not only the Patriots, for the Raiders that you also saw? Well, I think for the Patriots, their, their defensive front seemed to hold their own pretty well. I think we still saw a little bit in that secondary that they don't have that number one guy anymore. You know, they don't have a Stephon Gilmore. They don't have a J.C. Jackson out there. So that, that kind of hurt them. I saw with the Raiders, you know, you definitely saw the pass rush ability, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. It's an impressive group. So I really liked what I saw from both teams. What about the the Patriots and their, their quest to get this new-look offense cooking? And, you know, I know it's been a conversation of the whole offseason, who's the play caller, who's not the play caller. Matt Patricia's been the guy. He's also doubling down as the offensive line coach. What uh, what have you seen so far from that group? Oh, man, I'll tell you, it's, it's been a huge storyline for us all summer long because not only do you see Matt Patricia switching over from defense to offense, but you also just – don't really know what's going on. You know, I think this is always with the case with Bill Belichick. And he'll play things close to the vest, but this is closer to the vest that we've really ever seen before and more unorthodox than we've ever seen before. Josh McDaniels did it a little bit. He mentioned that yesterday, but this was something different, I think, all summer long. And we'll see how it goes. You know, I'm, I'm a little, definitely a little bit skeptical. I think it's hard not to be, but from what we understand, it, it seems like things are starting to come together and, I'm sure, as always, with Belichick, that the people in the building know a little bit more what's going on than the people outside the building. Do you think that without Josh McDaniels being there as the OC, it's going to slow down Mac Jones' growth? That's the biggest concern. I mean, look, when you have a young quarterback, and you guys went through this with Derek Carr, everything that you do as an organization is to set that quarterback up for success. And I think you can make the argument that they've done something, certainly last year in the offseason, to add the tight ends and Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, but overall, I think you're. I think the Raiders are a great example. Obviously, Derek Carr is a little bit further on in his career than Mac is, but you go out there and you trade for Devontae Adams, right? That that's the type of move I think everybody's still waiting for the Patriots to make here in New England is getting Mac Jones and, and maybe Tyquan Thornton, the second round pick, who looked really really good until he had that shoulder injury. Maybe he is somebody that can be on that not Devontae Adams level, but a number one receiver down the road. I think what you're still waiting to see from the Patriots and organizationally is getting Mac Jones his guy, right? I mean, you look at Derek Carr now with Devontae Adams. You just look across the league at some of the younger quarterbacks, like Joe Burrow getting his boy Jamar Chase from LSU. Like, those are the types of moves that some of these other teams have made, and the Patriots just haven't made that big move yet. They've acquired some of these pass catchers like the four I just mentioned, like Devontae Parker for good players, good NFL players. But they're not Devontae Adams, and it's, there's only one Devontae Adams, so I hate using that as an example, but somebody of that ilk, a top 10 guy, somebody that you could argue uh, is a upper-tier player, elite player at his position. The Patriots don't have a lot of those guys up and down their roster right now, and I think that's the biggest pause that we have with this team going into the season is, okay, we figure that Belichick will be able to figure it out from a coaching perspective. Everybody loves Mac Jones inside and outside the building. Loves his makeup, loves his accuracy, decision making, timing, all those types of things. But where, who are the studs on this team right now? Hopefully, it'll be Max. Hopefully, he'll take that year two leap and he'll be one of those guys. I think they're hopeful that Christian Barmore, who they drafted in the second round last year, also in that draft class, will take that second year leap and maybe be an elite player. Matthew Judon was a Pro Bowl last year, so maybe he's in that category. But other than that, you, it's hard to find 
who are the true elite elite guys. I think what we saw out there in practice over the last couple of days, the Raiders got two dudes to me. They got Max Crosby and they got Devontae Adams. The Patriots at the top of the roster, I didn't really think that they matched up too well with the top elite talent that the Raiders have, especially with those two guys. Judon maybe is on Max Crosby's playing field, but nobody on the Patriots receiving core is anywhere close to Devontae Adams. Yeah, Evan, something that I wanted to ask you about, going back to the lack of an offensive coordinator with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, it seems like Bill Belichick is just trying to copy what he's doing with his defensive coordinators or lack of defensive coordinators with his son and Gerard Mayo. So to try to get some insight on the offensive side, how does that relationship work without having an official defensive coordinator but two guys who share the title without the title? Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, especially when you throw in there that Steve is Bill Belichick's son, right? I mean, obviously that in itself presents some interesting dynamics, but what they have right now is basically a half-and-half responsibility where Steve is really the primary play caller on the defensive side of the ball, and Gerard Mayo handles some of the game planning and some of the game personnel substitution. So he runs the sidelines, Steve calls the plays. Those are kind of the way things that way things go for the Patriots on defense, but I'm not concerned at all in terms of coaching on the defensive side of the ball because we've seen all summer long with the defense that they have looked like an instinct, well-run unit. They've looked like a Bill Belichick defense, you know, very well-coached, disciplined, uh, across the board, multiple. Uh, what the bigger concern is certainly on offense because it doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like a well-oiled machine like we're used to seeing here in New England. Even outside of the Brady element of it, it just Josh McDaniel has been – the workmanlike attitude that he always brought to the Patriots offense. It always looked like a, a, a real NFL offense, an elite NFL offense. Now I'm not sure that it does all the time. And we saw it a little bit in moments last uh, uh, yesterday, you know, in two-minute drill, red zone, that type of stuff where they were pretty sharp. But I'm sure as you guys saw out there at times, the offensive line has been a concern and some of the other just overall timing and execution of the plays that they're running has been a pretty big concern. So uh, I just think that the defense is in good hands and we're seeing the Lions have good game plans and things like that. Talking right now with Evan Lazar from Patriots.com here on NSA Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions from you. And you, you mentioned Josh McDaniels, and uh, he, he really made an emphasis and a point on Wednesday to say that, yeah, he learned from Bill Belichick, but he's not Bill Belichick. And he was very comfortable in his own skin. He was very at peace with being who he was. What, in your opinion, from covering the Patriots as long as you have, what makes Josh McDaniels go? What makes him tick? That's a good question. I, I think the two things that I've always noticed from, from McDaniels are, number one, he's really good at talking and relating to players. I, I think they feel comfortable around him. I think they feel like he's out for their best interest. I, I know talking to Mac Jones, he's just effusive in his praise for Josh McDaniels last year, this year, and he saw a really good bond between those two guys, quarterback and offensive coordinator, for the entire year. And I think that, that was a big reason why Mac hit the ground running and looked so sharp as a rookie. And the other thing that you know with Josh McDaniels, look, we got to talk to him in press conferences over the years and things like that, and he is as smart of a football mind as you're ever going to come across. He understands offense. He understands defense. He's inside and out of it on both sides. He's really, really good situationally understanding, okay, this is what they like to run on third down. This is the way that we beat it. But I think the biggest thing that stands out with him that I – concerned here about the Patriots missing out of Josh McDaniels is in-game adjustments. There are so many times, I know 28-3 to is the big one, obviously, but 
There are other instances in Patriots lore as well where they're down at half, they're down in the fourth quarter, and he draws up something on the sideline or he pivots his game plan to something else that he has in his back pocket, and all of a sudden they're in the end of three straight drives, right? And that's the sort of thing that I think the Patriots will have to prove to us that they can do without a winner like Josh McDaniel. So you can go back to the Rams Super Bowl, it's 3-3, and game, nobody's moving the ball really, and the Patriots go on that touchdown drive because he found a wrinkle uh, to go up against Wade Phillips' defense, and he found it on the sideline in the fourth quarter and was like, this is what we're going to do to solve this puzzle, and all of a sudden they're in the end zone. So those are the types of things that you really love about Josh McDaniels is his ability to adjust on the fly. Final question for you, and I've asked everybody that covers the Patriots has come on this week this question. You saw the Raiders, <clears throat> excuse me, you saw the Raiders for two days in joint practices. Uh, what's your thoughts? Do you think this team has an opportunity to be good under head coach Joshua Daniels? I do, and I'm pulling for McDaniels. I, I really think that he's a great coach, and what happened in Denver it was a little bit of a, just a situation where a bunch of different things went wrong for them in, in Denver, and I think he's going to be a good coach the second time around. And I really, really love Dave Ziegler. I, I think the roster that he's put together is extremely impressive. And the Patriots, like I mentioned earlier, they don't have that necessarily five guys are in that elite category. You know, NFL's coming out with that top 100 list right now, and Matthew Judon and Matt Jones made the list, but nobody else from the Patriots did. Nobody else from the Patriots made the top 50 of that list. So they don't necessarily have that uh, premier NFL talent. And we look at the Raiders, that's what really stood out to me was the top of their roster. Guys like Adam, guys like Max Crosby, who I mentioned, even Hunter Renfro. And we didn't even see Darren Waller out, out there this week. Those four or five guys that they have at the top of their roster, I think are, if you're going to do like a, a draft of the Patriots and, and the Raiders, you're taking a couple of Raiders players before you get to the first Patriot player. And I think that's the most impressive thing that I saw out of that team. I think that says a lot right there. That tells you a whole lot about the talent on both teams. And, uh, yeah, good stuff right there, Evan. Appreciate you as always, my man. What do you got coming out on Patriots.com that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be out at the game tomorrow night, and I'll do a game observations piece where I just run through a couple bullet points of what stood out to me during the game, which I'm sure we'll have plenty of Raiders wrinkles and (laughs) Raiders tidbits in there as well. So you can go check that out, obviously, on Patriots.com, and all of our great content is uh, right there on the website. That'll work. Well, you do great work, my man. I definitely appreciate you, and I'll see you tomorrow in the press box. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you so much. Evan Lazar right there, Patriots.com. You can find Evan on Twitter at EZLazar. That's L-A-Z-A-R. And with us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. 2.46 is the time. We'll come back, get to some of your texts and your calls, and hit the top of the hour with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to talk with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. Talk to her all things Raiders, Aces, UNLV. Got a lot to get to with Paloma, but found this to be pretty interesting. Just saw this on Twitter from Liz Mullen at SBJ Liz Mullen. Raiders tight end Darren Waller has left Clutch Sports and is currently without an agent. He is in the NFLPA's five-day waiting period before he can sign with an agent. That's very interesting to me. That is very interesting to me. Clutch Sports is one of those agencies, and I've said it so many times on the show. I've said it on my podcast. I've said it to just about anybody who will listen. They are the agency that gets things done. One way or one how, they'll get it done. Not necessarily ways you like to see them get it done, but they'll find a way to get it done and get you your money. They're just that kind of agency. So 
I can't speculate on what the reason why. Remember, this is his, what, third agent he's going to be on now? Not sure why he's leaving or he left Clutch Sports. I, I can't speak for him. Can't speak for them. I just know it's interesting that he left Clutch Sports after we know that he's seeking new contract or something to be done with his contract. And everything he's told us when we've had an opportunity to talk to him is, I'm letting my agents and the organization handle that. And now he's no longer with his agents in Clutch Sports. I find that interesting, Demond. I'll do the speculating for you. You don't have to. I think that he had to. he's choosing to get new representation or represent himself because Clutch Sports hasn't gotten the job done. When you leave that the, the previous agency or the previous agent and it's, hey, man, I don't like this new deal that I have set up. You like you just said, you just gave us all the back, all the background information that we need to know that Clutch Sports gets things done. And Clutch Sport has had Darren Waller for well over a year now. Did get anything done. I knew I know it's been a regime change. But hey, if you're just looking at it from the dollars and cents standpoint, since he signed with them, nothing's changed. No, nothing's changed. And so I, you know, the reason I don't speculate on this and I understand where you're coming from and it's easy to see that, hey, they're not getting it done. I got to change, you know, my representation. I also wonder if he doesn't agree with the tactics that they want him to to use to get a deal done. Because remember, they represent Anthony Davis. And if, you, if anyone's an NBA fan, and you remember how Anthony Davis basically weaseled his way out That's of New all, Orleans. That's all, folks. Right, exactly. Exactly. I mean, he did that. Not, it wasn't cool. And I, again, I'm not, throwing, I'm not saying that this is happening or this is happening. I, I, I'm just saying I'm trying to let you know both sides of things. Like DeMond mentioned one side of things. Very well could be that simple. Hey, you're not getting it done. I need someone else. Maybe that's it's maybe it could be that simple or it could be Darren Waller saying, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. You want me to do this. I want to be there for my brothers, because the one thing I believe again, don't know, but I believe about Darren Waller is that his heart is in going out there and playing like I'm not going to say that he is me or I am him at all. I just know that my agents, if I had an agent, would probably hate me because I just want to go out there and perform. Right? If, my, if I had an agent, they'd say, Q, I'm going to get you some more money, but you can't be on the radio for a while. I'd be like, ah, I can't do that, man. You know what I mean? Like, nah, we got to figure out another way. I, just, I would be a terrible agent. I would. I'd be a terrible What would client. be the day limit for you to be like, I understand. Like, two days, you'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah. Maybe even a week. You'd right. be like a nice little vacation. Right. What would be your breaking point? I'm like, nah, man, can't do it. I couldn't go more than a week. More than, I mean, I, I would take a week and call it a vacation and say, hey, wife, me and you are going to go out of town like we went to Hawaii. And I would do that. After that, it's like, hey, man, I got to get back to work, dude. You know, it's just, it's just, that, it's just that, uh, that real. I've actually, no joke, I've been told that I need an agent. And they've, I've been told that I've, I've never negotiated my own paycheck very well because I'm so eager to do what I want to do that I'm just I'm willing to do it, right? And so – I'm okay with that because whatever. I've never done this for money, but obviously what he's talking about and what I'm talking about are totally different paychecks. <laughs> His paycheck, well, he might make someone hold out a little bit longer or something, you know? So I don't know. I, again, I don't want to speculate and say what exactly the reason is why he's not with Clutch Sports, but I find it interesting because I know that if you go through the history of them and who they represent, they always get deals done it's just the tactics that they use at times aren't necessarily the kind that you like to see so 
it's going to be interesting to see. He's in the, the five-day waiting period. You can't hire another agent for five days. So after that, it'll be interesting to see who or when he gets some new representation. I saw someone on Twitter uh, tag Agent Nicole Lynn. She was with, what, Young Money for a while? I don't think she's with Young Money anymore. But uh, she's one that does a really good job, and she's part of the uh... – oh, no. She's part of Clutch Sports. Never mind. <laughs> I guess I guess that she's not gonna go there. <laughs> so yeah, she uh, she used to be part of Young Money. She was um, she was based out of Houston. I've tried to get her on the radio multiple times, but now she's uh, apparently she's part of Clutch Sports. So maybe they were just saying, "Hey, uh, Nicole Lynn, your client's gone, or one of your clients is gone." So a uh, little interesting tidbit right there when it comes to Darren Waller. Two fifty six at the time. We'll come back. Kick off hour number two. Paloma Villacana from Fox Five Sports. She'll join the show. This is Red Nation Radio nine twenty.